You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. So I've seen like uh, I saw NXT Takeover, and I've seen like the opening match of Survivor Series. Nice. And and just to top it off, uh, I cut off all spoilers this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know what's happened the last three days. Okay. So um, I can't. And, and um, I want to keep it pure mm-hmm. because from what I heard, it was like really really good Survivor Series. So I don't even like want to look up the results, uh, and then I'll just sit there and like be miserable having to watch it. The only thing I saw is I saw two things. I I didn't actually see it. Somebody made the comment. Apparently, Shinsuke Nakamura has put on his two player costume. Um, I don't know what that means. But I, I'll I think that I think it means he put on like an alternate color scheme or something like that. Like you know, okay. how you're like a you're. If you're like in a multiplayer game mm-hmm. and player one is like blue, and then if you pick the same guy as player two, he's like red or something. So I assume it's sure. something like that. Um, also, it's, and I won't tell it's, you, it's like it's like a road kit, mate. Yeah, exactly. It's like his road kit. That's what he wore. Um, it's, I hope it's not toxic green sludge. Um, the other thing is, um, I and I won't spoil it. I did see somebody put um, with Pokemon sounds and graphics. Uh, the um, Owen, uh, not Owens, um, AJ Styles, um, Brock Brock Lesnar. yeah, yeah. So I, so I, I see I that. Ex- oh yeah, I have extremely high hopes for that. So, I mean, dude, I've literally like I've I've avoided Twitter mm-hmm. for like two days, and it sucks because obviously I wanted to get on there today and mm-hmm. you know commiserate with all my fellow miserable Liverpool mm-hmm. brethren, but I've avoided. I have fully avoided. So, yeah. Strong, and it was fun because I just uh, I watched the uh, the Shield and the New Day is the only match on Survivor Series I've seen so far, and it was it was really good. I was like following the updates on that like halfway through, and then it just stopped. Uh-huh. Who won that one? Oh. And then I uh, and then I watched um, I watched War Games from the NXT. Nice, yeah. and that was uh, that was it was solid. I'm more of a I'm more of a War Games aficionado. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the best war games are between like eighty seven and ninety two, mm-hmm. and then they just started getting fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you know, pro wrestling, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> just ridiculous after that. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, for not having a war games match for like twenty years at this point, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was solid. It was solid war games. Good. So uh, I'll throw a little stuff out there, but I don't I don't have very much there this week, just because I refuse to give in. Well, that's fine. And uh, giving in is a topic we will get into uh, oh, in the soccer as well as we hit episode 185 of the Foreign Affair podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCullen Crime, Wes Bradshaw. We are recording this, full disclosure, on a Tuesday night. It is Thanksgiving week, and uh, Wednesday is a travel day. It's a go-home day. 
literally for some of us. Um, so or that's true. Um, so we're going to be recording this on a Tuesday night. So we only have half of this week's Champions League matches to get to, um, but that's okay because who cares about the rest? Um, so we'll hit those. We've seen what we need to see. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we saw the Premier League as well. We'll hit that. Uh, then we'll do news and notes, uh, watch for and so raw as always, um, which will be as you may hear, depending on how I edit this, um, or you may not have. Um, it will be a bit brief this week, but oh, I, I am feeling a big, big so raw next week. There'll be big, big raws, big raws next week. Um, gonna, uh, next week I'm gonna have to record a big run to the team. That, that's fine. That's <laughs> next fine. week's a working. Next week's a working Wednesday. Um, well, of course, this podcast is always presented to you by NGSC Sports and NGCSports.com. We never stop, and the Premier League does not stop. Back from the international break, um, here are the matches we're not going to get to um, from Saturday. Title's basically done. I think at this point, as Manchester City beats Leicester 2 0, uh, you can't say they didn't go for it. They just, I mean, <sighs> they lost as apparently everybody's going to lose to City this year. Jesus, De Bruyne, they've scored goals. That's basically their MO right now. Um, in what was a air quotes entertaining matchup, Crystal Palace 2, Everton 2. Everton still without a full official manager. Um, but it was quick. Two goals in the first six minutes, one from James MacArthur for Crystal Palace, and then a Leighton Baines penalty just a few minutes later, nodded the score up. Uh, and then two more goals before the half, one from Wilfred Zaha and one from Omar Niasi. Uh, got us to 2-2 at the half, and that's how it stayed. So, yay, a point for Everton and Palace. They they don't need points or anything right now. Um, Chelsea, no one moves out of the bottom. Yay! Uh, Chelsea for West Brom nil at the Hawthorns. And uh, that would have big implications, as we'll get into in news and notes. Uh, Murata with a goal, Alonzo with a goal, and Hazard with a brace there. Um, Burnley to Swansea nil. Jack Cork and Ashley Barnes on the score sheet. Um, this is a big match because Burnley just keeps on winning games. Right now, Burnley sits 6-4-2 and two on the season. Um they're they're quickly trying to get a Champions League spot, amazingly. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see if that continues. Obviously, um, West Burnley, just real quick. What the biggest surprise of the season, I think, so far in a positive way, we should say. I'd say so, and and really doing it so under the radar. I mean, nobody's talking about Burnley. No. Like you said, I mean, they're sitting level on points with both Liverpool and Arsenal and only one point out of fourth right now uh, with Tottenham at 23, Burnley sitting at 22. And, you know, for a team who, since being back in the Premier League, they've been known as such a tough out at Turf Moor. It's like this year they've taken the next step and they figured, hey, you know what? There's this other half of games that we play that aren't at Turf Moor, and we're allowed to score goals in those games too. So hey, let's try that out this year. It's it's amazing. They are they are six four and two three two and one at home three two and one on the road. They've yeah. they've played twelve matches. They've scored twelve goals. I, I that's amazing to me. But they they've won six games. That's that's incredibly impressive. They've only given up nine. That's joint uh, third. In the Premier League, so as you said, Turf they've, they've only given up nine. Where does Liverpool call it? A week. Yeah. Well, 
Yes, Jesus Christ. Um, Manchester United <laughs> pummeled Newcastle in the primetime matchup. Uh, Dwight Gale got Newcastle up early, but then uh, the uh, big, big return of Paul Pogba and Zlatan, Zlatan, uh, got them going. Martial, Smalling, Pogba, and Lukaku, Kukuku. Of course, he added one late when it didn't matter. Uh, all scored, and um, you know, West. This could be big. United getting Zlatan back, but really, Pogba might be the engine that actually allows Josie to start playing um, a more attacking style again. Well, and then it actually comes down to just the decision by Josie to yeah. play an attacking style. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, to if if Josie tries to come out and say that the reason he ne- he didn't attack while Pogba was out because of no Pogba, that is really an indictment on the rest of this team that he's built. That's true. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> you know, if if this one guy now, granted, Pogba's a top player and is built as a top player, but to totally have to change your entire style because one guy's out you know that that really smacks of uh liverpool in january from a season ago and that was terrible Mm -hmm. and that was terrible as soon as Mane went out yeah liverpool had to change their style but you know at the same time liverpool have not put nearly the amount into a team that united have Mm -hmm. you know with all these uh huge signings united have made you know one guy should not make that huge of a difference very true um, but we will see if he continues to make a difference, and we'll see if Josie wants to keep up a more attacking style. We'll see. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when the first Manchester derby is, but I believe that will be our uh, our first inclination as to what he wants to do. Um, on Sunday, it was only one match. Watford won 2-0 over West Ham. Uh, goals from Hughes and Ricardo Lisson as uh, David Moyes cut off to a bang. In his first match at West Ham, so yay for him. Um, uh, Brighton and Hove, another team that's been doing pretty well this season in their first season up in the top flight. Uh, they get a 2-2 draw at home against Stoke. Um, had to come back from a goal down twice. Um, the first goal from Pascal Grob, uh, just before the halftime whistle made it 1-1. And then after Zoom Zoom Zuma, uh, got it to 2-1. Uh, Jose Izquierdo at the 60th minute mark uh, got Brighton and Hove back tied at two, and they saved a point. Um, so, Wes, let's now talk um, our two matches we're going to actually go into a little bit. Um, Arsenal 2, Tottenham nil at the North London Derby. Uh, it was five forgettable minutes for Spurs as Shakhtar Mustafi and Alexis Sanchez both scored uh, about 10 minutes before the end of the first half. Um, Tottenham not able to get a response in the second half. Um, though I, I have noticed that a lot of people are saying it was it was a shellacking and just an amazing performance and crazy, crazy, crazy. And I just I just don't get that from this game. Now I I will say full credit to Arsenal. They looked much better than they have in recent weeks. Uh, they play very good uh, counter football. Um, but at the end of the day. You, you look at some of these numbers, each team had 14 shots. Uh, Tottenham, four shots on goal to Arsenal's five. Um, both had, um, you know, more than three corners. Um, and Tottenham had almost 60% possession. So I, I don't get the sense that 
Arsenal like blew Tottenham out. I get that it feels that way since I think this is their first win in like four years in this series, which is kind of nuts if you think about it. Um, but I, I just I don't know. It was it was it was just a little weird. Um, I felt Tottenham had their chances and just didn't convert while Arsenal did. That was the real story of this game to me. But maybe maybe I'm wearing blinders, Wes. I I, I don't know. Uh, I think it was just one of those days for Arsenal. <clears throat> um, I mean, the true shock, shocks happened that uh, Mesut Ozil decided to, you know, show up and give a really good effort for Arsenal on the day. Uh, his, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, his free kick leading to that Skadra Mustafi opening goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, Ozil just, he had a really positive influence on the match for Arsenal. And, you know, Arsene Fingers taking a little bit of heat for, you know, talking about Ozil after the game, saying, oh, well, he's one of the best in the world. You know, you all give him, you know, basically you all give him shit, but, uh, oh, look what he can do. Yeah. At the same time, he basically buried him while trying to put him over. Yeah. <laughs> because, yes, look what he can do when he's motivated yeah. to do something. Yeah, one out of 12 <laughs> Premier League matches, he did great. That's That's amazing. Good job. Good job, you. Uh, for the first time this year, Arsene Wenger, of course, the brilliant, brilliant forward-thinking football man he is, finally decided to start, you know, what was pretty much his best front three. Crazy, which right? Is, uh, Ozil, Ozil Sanchez and, you know, Lacazette, who must have finally figured out how to play Premier League football. Weird. It took him 12 matches. It's bizarre. I mean, Jesus, yeah. It only takes, it only takes till November to figure, huh. You know, the crazy idea. Let's start our three best up front guys all together in their natural positions. Crazy, I know. Um, but you know, on the day it was it was a day for Arsenal. Um, Sanchez getting that second goal showed some sharpness. On the Tottenham side, I, Harry Kane is not a hundred percent. That was not a great Harry Kane that we saw the other day in that match. And I think it, it does kind of expose an issue that Tottenham have. And, you know, not to take anything away from Hung Min Son. I think I just said his name right for the first time in my life. I think so. Yeah. Um, but when Harry Kane is not on his game and is not striking and is, is not a hundred percent, I think with with the better clubs, Tottenham is going to have problems. Harry Kane is the thing. Tottenham doesn't fall apart without Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. You know they don't go into this horrible defensive shell <laughs> like United. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are definitely not. They are not the same attacking threat mm-hmm. without Harry Kane. We'll put it that way. And he just – he did not look sharp at all on Saturday. Uh, that that group around him didn't look like they had the impetus to go up and, and try to take over a match without Harry Kane being at his best. Mm-hmm. And, and that just – it's not – it's not a whole plan A, plan B thing. Mm-hmm. It's just I think Harry Kane is such a good player that it it really hurts. It hurts when your best player is your star scoring striker. Mm-hmm. And when he's not 100%, I think to me that's more important than, not to take them away from Paul Pogba, but that's more important than when Pogba is hurt in midfield. Right. 
Um, you know, I mean, you look at Liverpool last year, their swoon came when their best player, their top attacker, Sadio Mane, was injured. You know, it didn't come because Jordan Henderson wasn't playing. Um, and, you know, when when teams seem to struggle their most, it's usually from up front. And that's just, I thought Tottenham had some issues there the other day. Uh, that coupled with the fact that apparently Manchester City is just running riot on the Premier League record book when it mm-hmm. comes to wins. Yeah, I had Tottenham picked as my winner of the Premier League. I hate to say I don't think that's going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> so I, think, I think a lot more of this has to do with how good City has been, which, as you know, really, really grosses me out because of how much I disdain Pep Guardiola. Oh, yeah. uh, There's but, still time to blow it. There's time. I just, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I don't put it on City anymore to blow it. I put it on somebody around them to get on a run and come and win it. I just don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. I don't think anybody below is good enough to come just put together that kind of a string to try to catch them. But, uh, but, you know, for Tottenham, we just, we've seen it when they're, when they're struggling up front, especially when Harry Kane's struggling for fitness they really, really lose an edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Alderweireld didn't play. He did not play. He will probably be out until like late right. December, um, right. which is good and bad if you want to think about it, is if they can make it through this part without him, you know, being this the busiest time of year, that should clear him up pretty well for the rest of the season. And they do have back depth. Um, but he is, he is, I would say, with all due respect to one Yan Vertonghen, I think he is the most important piece back there. Because I will, I will, exactly. I will still take a Vertonghen, Dyer, uh, Davis, and Sanchez backline against a lot of Premier League teams, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, and still mm-hmm. feel pretty good. Um, but in these big matches, when, when they play Chelsea, when they play United or City or, or Liverpool again, <laughs> Uh, that's that's where you really want that that solidified presence in the middle there, yeah. and um, yeah. especially when it's your best guy at the back. Yeah, I just I thought Spurs were really lacking something up front. They were really lacking bite on the day, mm-hmm. and the, I just you know, hell when you get when you get a world class effort out of Mesut Ozil, you know you got to take those days, you know, wrap them up in a box, put a pretty bow on them, keep them in your mind for all eternity. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe make you spend another twenty million extra pounds on him. Wow, you remember that day? That, oh, he can, he can. We can get it out of him. Sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I'm I'm sure he'll go back uh, to this weekend. He'll play sixty minutes, be pulled. They'll boom off the field, and people won't even realize he was there. So it'll be great. Uh, so that's how that match took off. Um, our final match we'll talk about today in the Premier League um, was Southampton two versus Southampton. Um, Liverpool with the 3-0 win at Anfield. Uh, Mo Salah, who I believe is probably the clear-cut second-best player in the league this season, if not the first. I don't I don't know. It's, I mean, best is probably Kevin De Bruyne, but... Uh, I, 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 think, I think you could definitely call him the best. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and, and so he had a brace in the first half, and Philly Coutinho... Uh, with the goal in the 68th minute, made it for an easy day for Liverpool. That 3-0 lead held up, um, and a big three points for Liverpool, Wes. 
It helped that Southampton had virtually no attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, Southampton, yeah, you know, we've talked about them. A few years ago, this was a team that was pushing toward a European spot. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just praising the, you know, the system, the way that their their scouting was so good. And, hey, it didn't matter. We can sell our stars because we'll just replace them and make new stars and sell them and, you know, keep the pipeline going. Well, I think you can look at Southampton. You can look at Monaco this season. Mm-hmm. While that's a great idea on paper, and maybe for a few years you can make that work, that does not guarantee you year in, year out success. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> at some point, if that's your if that's your philosophy, and I'm not going to say it's a bad philosophy for Southampton, because we know you know Southampton doesn't have the money to compete with the big guys, mm-hmm. so that's not a bad thing. And I mean, we look at it; it's not like Southampton's in the relegation zone or anything, right? But it just looks like this year, especially it's kind of come term with them where, okay, it's one of those years where we don't have shit, <laughs> especially up front. Defensively in the midfield, they're not bad. Um, they just, they, there is no forward presence on that team at all. And they never even, they never looked like they were even trying to really play at Anfield on Saturday. Uh, Liverpool come out, they get the early blitz, which, you know that's that's kind of what Liverpool are good at. Mm-hmm. Liverpool are when <laughs> there, there's kind of two ways you can look at a Liverpool. <laughs> we're gonna have three goals at halftime, <laughs> or if we have no goals, we're gonna be biting our fingernails <laughs> until the end. It's just and just pray we can score one or two in there somewhere. Um, we'll talk about the Champions League obviously later on that, but this was one of those. You know, Liverpool came, they got a couple goals early, they sealed it in the second half. Southampton really had one decent attempt on goal and it went wide. I mean, just a really, really good, really solid win. I mean, that's the win Liverpool should expect at home yeah, against sure. Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what they should expect. Does that always happen? No. Mm-hmm. But that's what they should expect. They're better. They have better players. They're at home. Anfield, you know, for the rough results we've had this year, they have not come at home. Anfield is living up to its Fortress Anfield name this year. I believe we've only conceded one goal at home in Premier League play, mm-hmm. which is crazy as shit. We just, you know, we, we talked about Burnley earlier dis- discovering, hey, we're allowed to score on the road. Hey, Liverpool, we're allowed to stop people on the road as well. You know that? Mm-hmm. Um, but a very good win for Liverpool, very solid win. Right now, Liverpool need to just – with the way their schedule's breaking, they just need to keep pulling their three points and looking to hold up. This week's going to be obviously a, a little more difficult <laughs> with Chelsea coming up. But once again, that match is at home. So we've got to be confident to go in there and take points at home. Uh, you know, the, the brace from Salah, 14 and 18 matches. Oof. Only paid 36 million for. He's, he's pretty good. Um, you know, he got a lot of flack. He was getting, of course, you know, other opposing fans are always going to try to stick it to you. That's mm-hmm. just what they do. You know, we do it, we do it as well as anybody, right? Um, but you heard all the talk. Oh, well, he sucked at Chelsea. Oh, why do you want him? Oh, he wasn't good at Chelsea at all. Well, you know, something that Klopp said this week was, 
you know, when he went to Chelsea, he was a boy. He's a man now. He's grown up. Yeah. I mean, really, when he went to Chelsea, he was like 20 or 21. Now he's 25. He's hit the prime of his career. He's figured things out. His stint in Roma was absolutely superb, and it's carried over here. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's, he's 25 years old. This is the prime of his career, and he's playing like he's in the prime of his career. Uh, has already scored more this season than Liverpool's um, leading scorer, I think, for the last three or four ever since Suarez left. Mm-hmm. I think he's already scored more this season than our leading scorer. Yeah, I, I think that's right, yeah. And it's November. So, <laughs> um, as, uh, as Martin Tyler said today on the dark web where I finally found the match to watch it, <laughs> uh, when Salah was lifted late in the match with about 10 minutes left, he said, you know, Salah comes off. He said, you know, quality game. Surprising, though, Liverpool have scored all these goals and no Salah score today. <laughs> so, you know, hey, sometimes you don't score in every match. But, uh, you know, for Mo Salah, he's, his game has evolved. It's no longer just run down the outside and hope to cut in. You, know, you see him drift a lot into the middle. He plays, he plays a lot, really, as a center forward. Mm-hmm. And with the way that Klopp's... 4-3-3 works, those front three need to be able to flow and operate in different spots. And they do that. You see Firmino go outside and open up middle uh, ground for Mane and Salah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference of Mane and Salah, Mane, while obviously very explosive and able to score, Mane is one of these players who is more like a midfielder who plays winger, where he's really good at creating and finding spaces and doing things that set up other people, mm-hmm. and then he can score. Where Salah, while Salah can create as well, Salah is more like a traditional scoring forward. Right. Where right. he gets the ball is like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to put the ball in the back of the net, um, and it gives Liverpool a really nice balance because they've got multiple guys who can do different things. Uh, different shows of it, you know, they can go to Oxley Chamberlain on the outside. You know, he gives them more of a physical uh, presence out there. You know, you've got Firmino, you've got Sturridge, you've got Solanke and his limited appearances at this point. Liverpool attack-wise, they just, they give you a lot. Mm-hmm. They really do. Uh, on the day, you know, defensively, they were never really challenged on the day. So I can't really comment and say they did anything wrong because there wasn't a chance to do anything wrong. Sure. <laughs> Came that came later, <laughs> uh, but for Liverpool, a very good win, and that's exactly what you have to do at home to a team like Southampton. Um, is you've got to get those you've got to get those points when they're there for you to take. Absolutely, and that's exactly what they did. And as we take a look at their spot in the table, we see that they are currently in fifth place, joint fifth place. Uh, City again is eight points ahead of the field. Manchester United are in second. Chelsea, though, just one point behind them. Tottenham, three points behind United in fourth. And then Liverpool, Arsenal, and Burnley all right there. Uh, just one point back of fourth place. Um, so it is it is tight right there in that uh, second through seventh uh, positioning system there. And then at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, West Brom is currently outside it with 10 points. West Ham is inside it with nine as are Swansea with eight points and Crystal Palace still in last place with just five points. So that is your standings. Uh, now we take a look at your lineup for this weekend. And, uh, you know, after Thanksgiving, 
uh, get that Friday night football. You, you've done your Black Friday shopping. Uh, you've gotten beat up all good at Target. Um, come on home and, and get beat up by the play on the screen as West Ham takes on Leicester City. It'll be probably atrocious. So yeah. enjoy. Yeah, Usually there and go meet me at the Target. There you go. Um, they go go Vikings. Um, on, on Saturday, no early game. Thank God. You do have five ten a.m. matches, including Manchester United versus Brighton and Hove, Newcastle versus Watford, Tottenham versus West Brom, Palace versus Stoke, and Swansea versus Bournemouth. Up the cherries uh, at twelve thirty. The big match West was talking about at Anfield. Liverpool takes on Chelsea. Uh, that that is a big one for the table right now. Uh, and then on Sunday, you get Southampton Everton at 8.30. At 9, you get Burnley Arsenal. Let's see if Burnley can keep this train going to Turf Moor. And then at 11 a.m., speaking of trains, Manchester City takes theirs to Huddersfield uh, to see if they can keep winning ways alive. Um, but it is that part. Great, great news, Ed. Yeah. Uh, the uh, looks like the Liverpool-Chelsea uh, match will be on NBC. Which means, of course, we won't get to watch it. No, because we get to watch Boston College at Syracuse. Well, yay. That's great. Jesus, uh, God. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Under me. We need to call people. We need to set this know this, is, know this is about me. And oh, I'll, be, I'll be working, but still, you know. <laughs> Um, this is the busy <sighs> part of the season, which means we also have Tuesday and Wednesday matches. On Tuesday, you get uh, four games, including Leicester, Tottenham, Brighton and Hove versus Palace, Watford versus Manchester United, and West Brom versus Newcastle. And then on Wednesday, you have Arsenal, Huddersfield, Chelsea, Swansea, Bournemouth, Burnley, Everton, West Ham, Man City, Southampton, and Stoke v. Liverpool at the bet 365. Oh, God. And a Wednesday night in Stoke. Oh, my God. Nobody wants that. It's just starting to get cold, too. That's horrible. Uh, mm. man, maybe maybe the, maybe we can send them one of our 65-degree days. Oh, I hope so. That would be very nice. Um, so now we head to the Champions League. Um, half of it anyway. Um, Tag, you're it. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll start from the bottom, and then we'll get to you. Um, so we'll start at Group H. Because E, F, G, and H have played. A, B, C, D have not. Uh, Group H um, is done. Uh, Well, at least the top part is. Um, After Tottenham's 2-1 come-from-behind win at Borussia Dortmund today, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aboumeyang, my hair is terrible, uh, scored in the 31st minute on a delicious shot just in front of goal. Um, But Kane, he's back a little bit at least, um, with his sixth Champions League goal in five matches. Um, And Hyung Sun Min... Uh, with the game winner in the 76th, uh, a strong Tottenham performance in the second half gets them all three points in Dortmund, and that is a big three points because pairing that with Real Madrid's six-nil thrashing of Nicosia in uh, in Cyprus, that means Tottenham has won the group. I I I don't I don't even know what I'm saying right now. The, these words don't make sense. Tottenham Hotspur have won a Champions League group with Real Madrid in it. What is what is this? I don't... Oh, man, this is crazy. Um, in all seriousness, though, um, Tottenham do have 13 points in the group. Real Madrid have 10, which means the best they could do is tie at the top of the table. 
um, if Tottenham lose their last match and Real Madrid win theirs. However, because Tottenham took four out of a possible six points against Real Madrid, that is the first tiebreaker, and that is what will decide it. So Tottenham has clinched first place. Now, the only interesting thing left here is Borussia Dortmund only has two points in this group, as does APOEL Nicosia, which means that Dortmund have to at least equal Nicosia's performance um, as uh, Dortmund have to travel to Madrid to finish off the group stage um, to get into the Europa League knockout round. And and Wes, we, you know, Tottenham, great performance. We've talked a little bit about Spurs already today. So what I want to do with this group is, with Dortmund, after another disappointing loss to Spurs, um, this one at home, um, you know, is it is it almost in their best interest now maybe to just kind of, I hate to say it, but just fall out of Europe entirely? I mean, they are struggling all of a sudden domestically. They they have not had a good Champions League group stage at all. I, I mean, it would be almost an embarrassment to drop out, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think they're going in thinking that. Um, you know, the thing is, here's here's what Dortmund have positive for them coming up that no Premier League team can can claim that, and that is in in Germany and pretty much everywhere but England. <laughs> you've got the winter break coming up. That's true. That's going to be six weeks to retool. Check things out. See what you've got. See where you can improve. It goes into January. So if you want to go out and buy, you can. If you need to move somebody out, you can. Um, And for Dortmund, you know, really, if you look back in Dortmund's history, Jurgen Klopp's last season was almost like this for Dortmund. They had a disastrous first half of the season where they, at times, were sitting in the relegation zone in, in Germany. And then, you know, Klopp's thought about before he got that winter break, was able to go redo some things. And while they didn't win the league or even make the Champions League, you know, they did finish in a Europa spot. They really turned around second half of the season, became a much better squad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you've got to assume that's what Peter Boss is going to have to be looking at. Um, you know, right now it's like, Jesus, just get me, <laughs> just get me there. Just get me to this break. I'll have some time to do some things. So, you know, for someone like Dortmund, I don't believe you want out of Europe overall. Because once again, you know, you get into Europa, there is the, you know, used to it was, I think, I really feel Europa has gained some luster back Mm -hmm. just because of what it can bring you now. I mean, none greater, obviously, than look at Manchester United. You're in the Champions League because you won Europa. Right. You know, so... I think with that carrot dangling out there and a team like Dortmund, I mean, they're, you know, if they end up in Europa, you just look at it name-wise and Dortmund are going to be one of the teams who should be favored to win it. True. Um, and that, you know, with the way German football's going this year, that may be their best way in. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you want to take away, I don't think you ever want to straight up lose a so I think they're definitely going to want to stay in at least Europa. Well, and and the thing is, it might not even be up to them because they will have right. to go to Real Madrid. And, and you think, even if they lose, again, if they do lose, 
they can still advance if Tottenham beats Nicosia. But <laughs> now we say that, you think, oh, well, Tottenham, I think, beat um, – Tottenham won 3-0 in Cyprus. You know, they're having a great Champions League mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. Of course they'll beat them. Well, we know sometimes how Maurizio Pochettino likes to make his lineup when he doesn't really feel like the match <laughs> matters. And with the, they've already won the group. They've so that, so there's nothing to be gained really from them winning. This is in mm-hmm. the middle of, you know, you talk about the German winter break and how England doesn't have it. This will be in the middle of a long stretch of matches for Tottenham. I, I wonder if maybe this is a match you could see potentially a draw here. Um, if if it's maybe like a nil-nil draw or maybe even like a 1-1 draw. Um, and if then Dortmund loses to Madrid in that scenario, then they are out. So I, I do agree with you. I, I, I do think at the end of the day, they will not they will not want to go out and will try to get into Europa. But they, they it might not happen, though. And Ed, I know real quick, you said Tottenham have won the Real could still, if Tottenham lost and Madrid won, couldn't Madrid no. still win? No. Okay, they do head-to-head. Uh, yeah, first tiebreaker is head-to-head points. Okay, all right, never mind. All right. <clears throat> all right, well, that makes sense. Then. Um, I, I, personally, to me, I think Pochettino would be foolish to go out and just say, oh, fuck it, who cares? <laughs> uh, I think in a competition like this, you want to keep momentum going. Sure, that makes sense. No, I'm not. I'm not saying throw everybody out there. You know, hey, if you can get Harry Kane, Harry Kane rest. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly looking to see. You know, um, the Tottenham U23 uh, yeah. <laughs> Premier League B side out there. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I do think. I do think you could see this as a match. Fernando Llorente starts um, with yeah. Kane on the bench. Um, and maybe maybe a couple other guys just starting on the bench. Um, maybe mm-hmm. even like a Christian Eriksen starts on the bench. Hey, if you know Eric Lamella played in a under twenty three match sixty minutes this past weekend, this yeah. wouldn't be a terrible match for him to to start getting back his sea legs. And that's not you know playing yeah. your academy team. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's something where they're not exactly playing their their under eighteens, but they yeah. are they are rotating a little bit, and that is. You know, right. when you think the Champions League, you're trying to, for Tottenham especially, you were thinking right. they need every point they can get. Well, yeah. now they have a little bit of breathing room. So we'll have oh, to right. see. And, and, the, and the other thing with Tottenham, it's not an ultra deep squad. Mm-hmm. And and once again, you know, the last thing you want to do is go, say, crap the bed in that final match. Yeah. You know, just because once again, I think momentum does have, uh, momentum does carry over mm-hmm. in a competition like this. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll. I'm not saying they've got to go out and win six nil mm-hmm. to finish strong, but I think they're going to want to finish strong, uh, especially with it being at home. You know, they're wanting. They're going to want to go out and put on a good show for the fans. Sure, absolutely. Um, get Wembley rocking one more time in the group stage. Um, speaking of Group G, um, we do have a team clinched. Uh, Besiktas, due to their one-one draw today with Porto, they are through and they have won the group. That's right, in a group with Porto, Red Bull, Leipzig, and Monaco, Besiktas are your group winners. Um, Leipzig, in the other match, destroyed Monaco 4-1. That team is in shambles. Um, uh, Timo Werner with a brace in that one for Red Bull. Um, and so they keep their hopes alive. They're now level on points with Porto. 
Uh, Monaco with just two, they are out of Europe. They are done. They are they are completely out, and that is that is crazy. Um, Porto and Leipzig are both on seven points. Uh, Porto right now with a plus two goal differential, and um, those two are not playing each other. The last match of the season, or the match of group stage play, I should say. Leipzig gets Besiktas at home. Porto gets Monaco at home. Um, so, Wes, of those two, Porto and Leipzig, who do you think will go through? And also, if you want to, um, I know we just kind of mentioned them a little bit, but talk about this Monaco team who has just collapsed in the Champions League. Yeah. Well, now, real quick, just looking at possible tiebreaker. Uh, between Porto and Leipzig, uh, they did split mm-hmm. in the Champions League group. So both of them won a game against each other. So that would come down to goal differential if that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, personally, I would love to see Leipzig go through. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me. You know, I just – obviously, I have a working uh, foundation with yes. Leipzig. <laughs> uh, due to Nabi Kaida, who did score today. Yeah. Uh, um, they, they look good. I'd like to see them keep it going. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say Leipzig just for what the hell. Why not? Whew, Monica. Uh, I mean, we act like we're surprised by this. But then you look at where half the team that got them to the European semifinals a year ago, where are they playing now? Mm-hmm. It ain't the principality. <coughs> yeah. But, I mean, you talk about it's not like, well, they just lost you guys. They lost – I mean, they lost the crux, the nucleus of maybe the most exciting team in Europe a season ago. Yeah. Obviously, Kylian Mbappe was the um, centerpiece, the one everybody talked about. He's at PSG. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Manchester City bought, I believe, two players, uh, Mindy and, um, yeah. Uh, Cannot remember the midfielder's name all of a sudden. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, I've just I've lost it. But they they lost a really good amount of players. Um, it's just like we were talking about earlier with Southampton. You can only, you know, re- refreshing and restocking every year. That's not a bad idea, but you've got to be prepared to have the down seasons. Mm-hmm. And Monaco, you know, in Monaco's defense you know they had a few down seasons building last year's that's true so it's not like this is just coming out of the woods and people are like oh my god how can this it's happened before yeah you know but when you look down monaco's roster last summer when they sold a lot of these superstars monaco took the opportunity and they they bought a good amount of top young talent so I don't think I don't think this is like the trend going forward for Monaco where they're going to be down. I think you give them a season or two and they could be making another European run. Sure. The big thing, the big thing for them is they've got to they've got to counterbalance that by keeping themselves in the Champions League mm-hmm. because that revenue obviously is big yeah. having that revenue stream coming in. Um, and also that's how you attract these, you know, high value young players mm-hmm. is saying to them, Hey, you can come play the champions league. We, we'll give you champions league football. Um, and, and, you know, when, when it's time for you to make the step to the next big club, 
we're willing to go out and do business. I think that's a big thing for them getting young players is those young players see that they are willing to do business. You know, they're not going to try to keep you there forever because they know that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, for Monaco, it's just, it's just that year. It's just that year where they're in the champion, they're in the champions league, but the team that got them to the champions league isn't in, isn't there. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's it's not the end of the world for them. It, it's going to be an early. They're not going to be playing European football in a few weeks, but mm. you know, for Monaco, life goes on. Yeah, it will, and it's 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 still our favorite principality. Um, oh, absolutely! As it's we, good enough for James Bond. It's good enough for us. Damn straight. Love the casinos there, and we can play because we're not from there. Um, Group F has been decided at the top. Uh, Manchester City has run their record to a perfect five zero and zero. Raheem. The dream, Raza, he's so good. The dream. <laughs> Sterling with the 88th minute goal against Feigned Ward uh, in, yeah, I know, in Manchester uh, gets them the 1 0 win. Uh, the bigger result, though, uh, Napoli with a 3 0 pounding of Shakhtar um, to give themselves a chance still in this group. Um, and I need to at least take a look here and see what the tiebreakers are exactly. Uh, goal difference in head to head. Okay, so this is this is how it works. Um, the second tiebreaker because they did split Shakhtar and Napoli. They each won a game. Um, Napoli lost two one to Shakhtar, but then <coughs> won today three nil, which means on aggregate that is four two to Napoli, which means that Napoli with a win and a Shakhtar loss in the last week, will go through. Um, Napoli must travel to Feyenoord in Rotterdam mm-hmm. and win, and Shakhtar hosts Man City at, at, in in, uh, in the Ukraine. So, not not impossible that mm-hmm. Napoli goes through. This is this is still nervy for Shakhtar, even with a three-point lead going into the last week, Wes. And I say two for them. Yeah, they've got to watch out because City's not going to be taking their foot off the gas. No, nope. Because at this point, if you do, you risk not getting it back down. Uh-huh. And they're playing so well. I mean, once again, they're going to have the opportunity and kind of like we them, where, you know, hey, if you want to rest a couple of guys, you can. Mm-hmm. But two, God, City have so much freaking depth. I mean, City's second team is very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they have, they will have the score a boatload of goals and uh yeah i don't think they're gonna go to shaktar looking for anything less than three points so i think it would be great for the competition to get napoli through Uh and i think there's gonna be a chance for napoli they just got to go out and take that chance and not fuck it up yeah well they do have to go onto the road to feynord but feynord uh has not not lost a match so far in the Champions League. So you got to think there's a win coming for Napoli there, and then it will be up to Shakhtar to at least get a point against City, which is a tall, tall task. All right, we've reached our final group, Group E, which is everybody has a chance. Not you, Maribor, um, but everybody else still does. And Maribor actually kind of helped Liverpool out a little bit today when they couldn't help themselves. In the 92nd minute, uh, Yasmin Mezinovic 
uh, got Maribor level in Moscow to make it 1-1, which keeps Spartak Moscow at six points. They would have been up to eight, but instead they stay at six. But the real story, I guess, is Sevilla three, Liverpool three. And what you're thinking, you just hear the score. Oh, crazy match. Exactly what we expect. Two high-scoring teams. A tough matchup in Sevilla. Of course, that's that makes perfect sense. Until you see that Liverpool went with their 3-0 lead they had at the half this Premier League weekend. Firmino with the brace. Mane with the goal as well. And then Wasim Ben Yedder. Had to brace in the second half for Sevilla. And with basically the last play of the game, Guido Pizarro put in a rebound off a set-piece corner to give Sevilla a point. Um, Liverpool stays at the top of the group with nine points, which means if they win their final match against Spartak at Anfield, they win the group anyway. So everything's fine, right? Oh, man. Um, I'm going I'm to start this out with the text that I sent you earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Fox Sports, for giving me 37 alternative uh, camera angles to watch Tottenham and Appwell. Yep. And then not giving me literally any way in the world to watch uh, Liverpool. You said it was on Facebook Live. I didn't know that. Um, I, I, I worked last night. I thought I'd set my alarm for 2.30 today to get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I woke up at four o'clock, yeah. so <laughs> um, so I didn't know it was on there. So I immediately go and start trying to find it. Can't find it. Luckily, I have my Fire Stick and uh, you know got clicking around on the dark web and eventually found <laughs> an illegal British stream to watch the match. Now the problem with that British stream is that every now and then it decided it just wanted to go out and I had to restart it. So as it went out in the first minute of extra time. Uh, Wes was comfortable in the knowledge, man, my phone hasn't buzzed, which means nobody scored. Um, everything's okay. I couldn't get my stream back up, so I just decided to sit there and wait. Oh, I got the buzz on my phone. I'm like, oh, good. There's the final. Nope. Oh, nope. The buzz on my phone decided for me that Sevilla scored. Oh, that's brutal. It made it 3-3. At this point, I just sat on my couch in an empty house, me and the dog. And I hung my head. Um, <laughs> and I almost cried. But I did. <laughs> um, and it was more out of the whole frustration just trying to watch the damn match. <laughs> F you, Fox. Jesus Christ. Every other British team I can watch the damn match today except Liverpool. You fucking also, fuck. I will also say, you say, I, I told you that it was on Fox uh, or on Facebook Live. Um, that stream also would cut out like every two minutes on me and I'd have to reload. So I also missed the match winner because of that. So oh, yay for both God. of us. Or match Matthew tired. Zuckerberg. Yeah. yeah. Matthew Zuckerberg and um, oh God, I can't remember the guy who uh, owns Fox. But Rupert Murdoch. Some people say he's the devil. Rupert Murdoch. Some people say he's the devil. I don't believe he's the devil. He may just be his brother. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, but I missed the entire first half. So when I turned on, it was 3-2, and I was like, man, it's been a good match. And then I saw a quick match recap. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and at that point, I just uh, kind of huddled into a ball and waited. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus Christ. Jurgen Klopp said in the post-match, he said, uh, in the first half, we played very good football. In the second half, we just stopped playing football. That's mm. 
And from what I saw, that was about it because it was a very um, underwhelming 25 minutes of football that I watched Liverpool play. Uh, <clears throat> Embry Chan in particular kind of had me up in bunches today. When he came on as a sub, he literally looked like he could have cared less that he was playing today. <laughs> and that pissed me the hell off because he was playing like shit. I go on to find out that uh, basically the two goals given up were directly linked to um, <laughs> to my damn left back. Oh, God. Uh, you know, we had Moreno, things have been going so well for us this season. Mm-hmm. You know, you were you were doing nice and everything was going good. And now today everybody's back on the Moreno bandwagon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, Sevilla, they get a late goal. <sighs> Liverpool with a win would have been through for the first time in nine years of knockout stages. So now we get to go sweat it out for one more match. And unlike City, unlike Tottenham, you know, yeah, that's in the middle of a busy season for us. We got to play players. Yeah. You know, that would have been a great match for, man, okay, we can start Ben Woodward. Oh, mm-hmm. man, you know, we could start, uh, well, we already played Trent Alexander Arnold a lot anyway. But, you know, we could have started Woodburn and maybe Evie Ajar. Um, You know, we could have thrown Solanke out there to play up front. You know, could have, could have made some moves. Now, no, we got to go out there and beat, you know, we got to go beat Spartak. Yeah. I mean, yes, a draw would get us through, but shit, you know, you know at Anfield, you don't want to go home and play for a draw. Sure. And also a win wins the group for you and doesn't mm-hmm. put you into that second pot. Mm-hmm. So, um <sighs> Liverpool doing it like Liverpool do, man. They they leave it late. They leave it tough. Don't make you think easy on themselves. They certainly don't make it easy on us fans. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Strap up. One more big Champions League match to come. Thank God it's at Anfield. Um, you know, the, th- the thing is, the, the trend on this, yeah, I heard somebody say this week on the radio, yeah, they were talking about the, the radio. Mm-hmm. As I'm throwing up my... Um, my quotes, the radio, uh, somewhere in podcast land, or somebody saying, "Well, yeah, you know, Liverpool need to win. Going to go and beat Maribor." And I'm sitting there, and I said to myself, "I said, Maribor drawn the first time." And, and really, right now, when you look at when you look at Liverpool, right now they're plus ten in the goal differential. They've got that all day. Liverpool two wins, three draws, no losses in the group. That means we beat Maribor twice and have drawn everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's not very, um, you know, settling. I'll say that. But uh, Spartak on a really bad night in Montreal, uh, got a draw with us. I think Liverpool going home should be fine to go through and win the group. So uh, my confidence is still high, Ed. My eyes may bleed before it's over, but my confidence is still high. Some of the things you mentioned though um, about Maribor. Liverpool with a plus 10 goal differential. The plus 10 coming from Maribor with their 7-0 and 3-0 wins um, against them over like a three-week span. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting. Also, again, Liverpool are not yet actually guaranteed to go through. Um, no. No. That, if we go lose. Yes. Creek. Yes, if you lose and Sevilla, um, I believe, uh-huh. 
Now, I don't know. Sevilla might have to win. I don't know. A a three-team tie might be kind of insane, actually. Um, If if Sevilla just draw Well, well, now, that said, if they draw and Spartak win, I mean, what would that do? Because, I mean, Liverpool would have draw. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they would have two draws. Liverpool would definitely have the goal differential. Um, That's the thing. Nobody's beating us a goal differential. We're plus 10. Sevilla's got a zero goal differential. Here's the thing. I almost wonder if at that point, because the first tiebreaker is points in head-to-head matches. So it would be, it would be two points for, it would be two points for Liverpool and Sevilla. Um, so yeah, two points. Both matches. So it, it would be four points would go to Liverpool because they would well three points would go to Liverpool for the one time they drew Moscow and the two times they drew Sevilla. Um, Sevilla oh, would Jesus get God. two points for for drawing Liverpool twice, and let's see, they they lost to Spartak and beat Spartak. So they. So they each would have five. So I think in a three-way tie, Liverpool loses and finishes third. I, I don't know that for sure. Don't take that. Take that with a gigantic grain of salt. I don't. I don't know. Well, see, that. and to me, I mean, why? Why are we making this difficult? If you've got the goal differential, just go. I'm not saying that for pro Liverpool, but you know, this whole trying to figure out head to head and all this crap. You got goal differential. Just go with goal differential. <sighs> We will. We will see. You know what? Liverpool is just going to win, and everything is going to be fine. And and they will. Not I'm not be saying fine. they will. That's what they need to do. They need <laughs> to just go. Just go win. I mean, God, just take care of it. Win. That's what we should have done today. But you know, uh, a win also <laughs> guarantees Sevilla uh, second place in the group as well. Not that that matters. Yeah, sure. Um, also, if you do, there is a chance of something else happening. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this 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 uh, Champions League as we finish it up here. I mentioned that uh, I did not expect to say the words Tottenham Hotspur wins the group um, when talking about the Champions League. There is a if 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 Liverpool do win, there's an okay chance that all five English teams in the Champions League could win their group. I think Chelsea's kind of got the toughest right now. Chelsea does have the toughest. They are currently one point by Roma with two matches to play. Uh, they have to go to Atletico and then right. host Carabag. Um, but they did beat Atletico the first time. Um, no, I'm sorry. Chelsea has to go to Carabag and then gets Atletico right. at home. So, right. I mean, if if they, I think they could win both matches. Roma, then, you're, if you're listening to this, what day are we going to Wednesday or I'm sorry, what did you say? What day are we going to release this? Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, Thursday. Okay, so you'll know by now, but uh, Roma is going to Atletico. Mm-hmm. And then have Karabag to end it. Atletico's been terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think Roma definitely have the advantage right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Chelsea Chelsea have a chance And United are currently six points ahead of both Basel and Moscow. And Group A, um, so they they should win the group. Um, so at the very least, it looks like there there's there's a near well I don't want to say it. There's a very good chance right now that all five English teams will at least advance, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. an outside chance that all five of them could win their group, which is insane. And, and they and probably a better chance that four of the five could win their. Group. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that is English football's back, baby. What do you Thank mean? You, it never, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Pep. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's fine. Thank you, thank you, foreign managers. <laughs> oh boy, let's hit the news and notes. Um, Sam could have done it himself. Uh, speaking of City, uh, they will be without one of their men um, going forward. Who thought we'd be saying this exactly 365 days ago? Defensive stalwart John Stones will be missing six weeks, roughly, uh, for City. Now they, who knows, you know what that will do to them in the in the meantime. Their their offense has just been so strong this year. Who knows if this will actually um, really affect them, especially in the Premier League? But you know, Wes, I, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago I mentioned. You know, City also isn't the deepest team in the Premier League. If if some of those injuries pile up, we, we noted how Jesus and, and De Bruyne and Aguero have all had some injury problems in the past. You know, if we saw one of those guys get hurt, maybe that would break the momentum. And same thing kind of in the back, even though, I mean, Stones has been much better this year than he was last year. But again, that depth just isn't there. Where this could be something. If you're if you're one of the other nineteen teams fans in the Premier League who's hoping somehow City stumbles, this this is kind of where it has to start. It does. Um, my uh, my favorite thing, of course, <clears throat> that I've seen this week is um, well now that now that John Stones is hurt, you know, City might City may be looking for another. Center back. Mm-hmm. So, oh, we'll just go drop seventy million on uh on Virgil Van Dyke. Oh, and you're sitting there going, "Wow, <laughs> it, it must be really nice that oh man, one of our guys got hurt." Okay, seventy million. Man. Let's go send like a British defender record. Just yeah, again, we need another guy. We're gonna need yeah, we're gonna need a, we're gonna need a guy for. So let's just go buy the best freaking center back on the market. I swear, it just follows my mind. It's so city, <laughs> you know, and, and it's that kind of thing, you know, when I, when I get about Pip, <clears throat> I mean, that just brings me back. I mean, it's once again, the whole fact that Pep has never played without the most loaded deck in the world. Yeah. And I mean, here he is. Oh man, winter's coming. Oh, we got a guy who's out for six weeks. Ah, okay. We'll just go spend a hundred million and just fix it. I would love to see Pep take <clears throat> over Burnley. Seriously, like, go somewhere where your budget's like twenty million for the entire summer. Oh man! <laughs> Speaking of teams that could use a new coach soon, again, uh, West Ham uh, obviously didn't impress in their first match under David Moyes. Um, but prior to that match, I guess I guess it's no surprise that they didn't have a great game because Moisey said that West Ham players <laughs> need to overachieve this season to stay out of the relegation zone. Um, he says, I think I put my reputation on the line a little bit, and I'm happy to do that. If you want to judge me on the grass, I'll challenge most, but I'm only as good as my players, like any manager. I've got to try to get them to overachieve. My players at Everton overachieve, punched above their weight, came close to Europe every year, Champions League one year, always in the top 10, and now 
a consistent team. I don't know how he can say that with them sitting in 16th, but okay. Uh, that period it took me to get stability. I don't know of any manager or coach that will be allowed that period again to try to get that to work. Certainly least of all you, Moisey. And uh, losing to Watford right out the gates not going to help things. Wow, Moisey talking about putting my reputation on Oh boy. Your reputation on the fields of Old Trafford, the plains of Spain where it barely rains, and Sunderland. Oh, man. You have no reputation left. You are a walking uh, cartoon. Yeah. So there. If I couldn't be any more blunt oh, about that point. Um, <sighs> West Ham. I, see, I, I don't think West Ham are that bad. I just think they've got the get their shit straight because they've got players. Mm-hmm. They've got players that other Premier League teams would really like to have in their lineups and all their benches and playing for them. Mm-hmm. So don't give me this whole shit. Oh, we're not that talented. No, you've got more talent probably than you – know, I mean, they, they have upper half of the talent. I would argue they almost have more talent than Burnley. Just Burnley's played well. Oh, I would definitely say so. so um, love you, Burnley. Burnley has a manager. Yeah, that who accentuates what they do. Yeah. And, you know, they have a belief and they have a plan and they go forward with it and they don't freak out. You know, <laughs> you know, when Burnley got relegated. Oh God, I was just about to say this. Yeah. Go God, ahead. You know, they, they, they held on to that Sean Dice guy and yes. said, you know what? We yeah. like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And he's repaid them in spades. Yep. You know, so. I, I mean, you, you kind of look at some of the teams the last few years who've been relegated. Flip their shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, they got relegated, but they, you know, they kind of felt, well, you know, we we've got Rafael Benitez. Jesus Christ, you know, we're not firing Rafael Benitez for getting relegated. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit this year? Um, and it's worked for them, you know. It's worked for Sean Dyche and for Burnley. And, you know, sometimes stability has its has its pluses. And I, I really think that was the biggest thing that worked for David Moyes at Everton mm-hmm. was Bill Kenwright, the chairman at Everton. You know, when Moyes came, it, they understood this isn't an overnight project. They understood, you know, we've got to stick with it. And that was the biggest thing that David Moyes benefited from at Everton was that they weren't looking to pull the trigger as soon as something didn't go their way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what worked so well for him. Um, and now the big thing's going to be, you know, can West Ham or some of these teams who, you know, everybody, all these clubs who fire and hire, I mean, they're just looking for the quick fix and the quick fix. It might work for a month. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It might get you out of relegation, (laughs) but you've got to be looking for a long-term plan going. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of these lower in the table, teams right now i think that's where they're really messing up is you know they can't just you know hire somebody and give them a chance mm-hmm. you know sometimes you've got to fail to turn around and succeed mm-hmm. you know if you're let, let's well hey let's talk about a team who's gonna need a manager you know west Brom. oh our next news note yeah yeah i mean and we, we won't go on that <clears throat> but of course pool is gone you know, for West Brom, if if I sit there and tell you as the West Brom ownership group, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a guy. You're going to get relegated this year. Mm-hmm. Next year, you're going to get back. You're going to come right back up after next year. 
and this guy that you're going to hire for the next uh, five, six seasons, he's going to, you know, you're going to be back in a year. You're going to finish 15th. After that, you're going to finish in the top 10 for four years. You know, can you take that initial hit? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to take that initial failure for success down the line? And right now, with the way the money is, these Premier League teams are so terrified of going down. Mm-hmm. But I think there are examples of teams that are showing you going down is not the end of the world. Right. I mean, for Burnley, it's not the end of the world. No. If you've got a guy you believe in, just stick with him and he can he can come good for you. You know, Newcastle, he can come good for you. But... And, you know, really, you look at somebody like Sunderland. Sunderland, oh, God. Oh, no, no, we got relegated. Oh, we got to change everything. Even though they did just hire probably a good manager. (laughs) Finally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll throw that in a minute. But, you know, I just, I, I would like to see, I would like to see, patience is a word that is very, very, rarely used in the Premier League anymore. But I would just like to see someone have some patience with somebody. Yeah, it would it would be super nice if, you know, that that could happen. Um so we are we are going to move on though. You you did mention uh also the West Brom coach, uh Tony Pulis is done at West Brom. He had been doing very well with them, but this year just things have not gone right. Um so assistant head coach Gary Megson uh, will be leading the team until they bring in a new proper manager. And uh, and Wes, you had some uh, Sunderland news. Uh, well, I was going to say uh, Sunderland bring in uh, Chris Coleman. Mm, yes, Coleman yes. leaving leaving uh, yes. his leaving his post with Wales. Of course, not able to qualify for the World Cup, but I uh, had the great Euro run in 2016, uh, and he is. Uh, well, you thought Wales was a tough job. <laughs> um, you know, for going to Sunderland now, that is a whew, that that is a sinking ship right now. And Chris Coleman going to try to patch it up and see what he can do. Just one of the early rumors, just Liverpool related. Um, a, a couple of Welshmen who, of course, he managed and played very well for him. Uh, Danny Ward and. Um, Ben Woodburn, he's he's looking to potentially bring them in on a loan in January to try to try to patch that up. So that, mm-hmm. that's just some early early news. Oh, there you go. so he his managerial debut not off to a great start uh, with a two one loss to Aston Villa, but the team looked a lot better in their first match under him. So hey, maybe maybe that'll be good. Now, oh by the, by the way, really quick, uh, Westbrook. A uh, person who is in talks for West Brom, Alan Pardew. Oh, even better. Because no one loves recycling managers like the <laughs> Well, you mentioned that, Wes. And, and you know, we, we've been talking about being being patient and being thorough. And, and you know, there there is an organization that apparently has, has taken that to heart here in our last news and note. And that is, that is the stalwart steady hand of leadership that is behind the United States men's national team. Oh, um, Sam Allardyce. Oh, oh huh. no. My, oh, not yet. Not yet. No, <laughs> my, no, my friend. Because it's being reported right now, this coming from the Washington Post this week, that U.S. soccer might not hire a new head coach 
until after the World Cup. So, for like the next, I don't know, eight, nine months, um, the US MNT just might not have a manager for their friendlies. And <coughs> if they play that stupid, 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 stupid World Cup NIT, they won't have him for that. So, I, I'm curious, Wes. I, I, you can hear my voice dripping with sarcasm, so you probably know how I feel about this already. But, but what do you think about this? You know what? You and I might differ here. Okay. I'm not. I'm not totally against that. Okay. My reason being, <clears throat> what what that <clears throat> is that if the U, the USMNT has decided to not hire and touch the World Cup. Mm-hmm. To me, that says they have they have someone that they're extremely interested in, mm-hmm. who is obviously coaching at this World Cup, and that hey, I'm gonna say this. This goes right back into what we talked about. If the United the United States might not be worrying so much about just patching a hole as fine in the future, maybe. Now, I don't know who that would be by any means. I have no idea who be or who they would be thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what, Ed? At this point, the United States are not playing a com- a competitive match until after that World Cup, right? That is true, yeah. So if I cannot find the guy who, in my vision, is going to take my team forward, why just hire somebody just so you can say you've hired somebody? Um, I mean, there will be friendlies. So those, yep. those will be coming up. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess if, if you do have somebody in mind, that's fine. I just, I feel like with so much, with so much <clears throat> kind of negative energy right now among this, this program that mm-hmm. I, I feel like, Maybe I don't hate the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just hate saying out out loud. I don't. I, I don't want to hear that. That's when it's going to happen. I, I don't want because because to me that gives the impression that you're not really looking or there's no rush to get a coach. Uh-huh. I I want to I want to at least know like hey you know we have you know three possible candidates in mind. We just mm-hmm. might not secure it until after the World Cup. The way I, I read this and the vibe I'm getting is we're just we just want to wait. And and, and to me that uh, means you're kind of sitting on your hands and not really doing anything. And then I and I don't want that. Um I, I I want to you know, I hear quotes saying like we are developing a strategic approach to selecting the next head coach and mm-hmm. it will be thorough and methodical. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, you know I, I'm also I'm also a little worried about you know what will the presidential election do if if you know mm-hmm. if if Gulati stays in charge if he doesn't you know is that mm-hmm. is that why they want to hold on because they don't think that if yep. somebody comes in next that they'll want to keep them I I don't I don't know I don't know and that could be I mean that could be another thing there are so many factors to this mm-hmm. but to me the fact that once again you're not playing competitive for let's say a year, even though it's not quite that long, obviously. Um, <clears throat> you know, now do we know when those presidential elections are? Um, 
They are, and I believe they are in February. I will just say okay. this real quick. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Because this comes from the article. And this, I think, is where my, my main outrage came from reading this article. Um, the Federation has not interviewed anyone for the job or created a formal list of candidates, said the sources, who are forbidden from speaking publicly about the matter. So they, mm-hmm. they did it anyway. So that's, I think that's what really bothers me. That there's, there, there doesn't seem to be a plan yet. And that bothers me. So, I don't know. Well, now that that's it. Uh, <clears throat> you've got to take sources for what they are. Sure. You know, we don't know <clears throat> whoever this source is. Um, Chuck Glazer's cats. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Fluffy the cat. We don't know what, we don't know what his uh, intentions are. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it might have to do with this presidential election. Maybe. I mean, let's just, let's just throw something out there. <clears throat> let's say that, uh, you know, Sunil Galati goes out and hires, like I said, just just spitballing. Mm-hmm. He goes and hires Sam Allardyce and makes all our wildest dreams come true. <laughs> um, and then let's just say Kyle Martino becomes the new president uh-huh. in February. Well, suddenly, you know, Kyle Martino sits there and he's like, oh, fucking Sam Allardyce is my <laughs> manager. But, you know, you're sitting there, well, you've given Sam Allardyce this contract and this is who's going forward. And then maybe immediately right there, you've already got you've already got the makings of a toxic situation because, well, the president doesn't want the coach, but he doesn't have a say in it right now. Right. I'm just I you know me, Ed, I'm a glass half full guy. Oh yeah. West positive Bradshaw. I'm West Positive Bradshaw here. I'm not just positive. <laughs> Never mind. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. I'm just I'm not just positive. Oh, <laughs> I would just take this maybe as a maybe a breath of fresh air that there is a chance that there's real change coming to United States soccer. You know, I mean, they could go. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. The U.S. If the U.S. wanted a manager by Thanksgiving, they'd have one eating turkey at headquarters on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then you know, three quarters of the U.S. fan base are going, "Fuck, are you doing?" <laughs> you know, here's the thing: Do you want to go get one of these MLS? Do you mm. want to go get a guy who, you know, is a seasoned uh, international manager? Or do you want to go get a guy who, <clears throat> you know, what well, if you don't do it till after the World Cup? That means there are guys managing overseas right now. Their season will be over. They'll be available. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be able to go out and get, <clears throat> you know, um, Josie Mourinho. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next big job oh, he's man. hanging out for yes. is Mourinho. But, you know, I just – I think hiring somebody in November, December mm-hmm. really limits your choices where if you can wait until next summer, mm-hmm. the way I see it, everything is on the table because that's the time where guys can make those changes. You know, you will have guys who their contracts with their national team will be ending. You'll have guys, you know, potentially who manage European teams who, you know, it's off season. It's, this is the time they can make a move. I think it just gives you a much bigger um, uh, group of candidates and gives you the chance as well to, uh, to make the right hire, mm-hmm. which is that that's going to be so huge for the U S because, you know, we look at it and, you know, we want to say that there's this, you know, really good young group of American players coming up. And that's what we're told. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've seen on the field. There's a good young generation coming up. 
you don't want to make a hire right now just because you have because you feel you have to have somebody in place when you know you can you can appoint an interim manager. Yeah, has done a hell of a job, and this might be the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know who the interim manager is right now. I can't remember. Who the- I don't know. I think it's um, one of the, I think it's the under twenty three guy. Maybe. Yeah, probably. But um, you know, hey, he might end up being the guy. But I just think you leave your you leave options open. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, you know, we as we've talked about with the whole president coming in, the direction and the philosophy of U.S. football could be changing in February. True. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I say, you know, why get a manager who might go down with the one that you're about to go to? So, you know, I don't understand it on Sunil. You know, if I'm Sunil Galati. Probably trying to get somebody in. I'm thinking I want to get somebody in and solidify my point. Right. But for U.S. football, this might truly be the best thing right now. Well, hopefully, hopefully it will actually turn out okay. Yeah. Yeah. You believe yeah. that? Nope. Will you be? Will you, uh, Ed? When when you say the blessing on Thursday for Thanksgiving dinner, will you say, "Dear Lord, thank you for the turkey. Thank you for the mashed potatoes." And please give us a new a new president for the USMNT. Oh, I will. Bless the hair of Con Martino. Um, you see, Ed, when I when I say my blessing on Thursday, I'm, thank you for this turkey, thank you for this stuffing, and please God, thank you for Virgil Van Dyke moving up north. There you go. There you go. To the I'm, I'm going to will it into existence, oh Lord. To the mercy side, not not the Manchester side of north. Oh dear Lord, bring him to the red of mercy. There you go. There you go. Gotta be more specific sometimes. Not, it's like that not those, bar. Not not those heathen devils of the blue son of bench. Mm. Those rich heathen devils. Alright. Um let's hit the watch four. West can't use that with their owner. Um, exactly. um <laughs> what are you watching before this gets any more racist? What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Um God, what have I watched? Jesus, I worked all damn weekend. Uh, I don't know what I'm watching. Did you see the finale uh, of Horror Story? Or did we talk about uh, that last week? Yes, I did. I actually, yeah, I think I watched it because we weren't pun. Um, the finale of Horror Story is always a little anti. <laughs> um, but I mean, I thought it was, it was definitely interesting this year. Um, our uh, anti-hero, I guess he was our protagonist. I couldn't figure out who's the antagonist or protagonist in this show. Because you're kind of made to not like any of them. Oh, beautiful. But uh, Kai Anderson uh, gets gunned down on national television, and that actually helps uh, Sarah Paulson win a win an election to become a senator. Um, basically, what we learned uh, with the very end of our story, uh, of course, this whole season was called Cult. Mm-hmm. And it was, of course, uh, around the cult that... Um, Evan Peters playing Kai Anderson, the cult that he started and, you know, rode to potentially um, becoming a very powerful politician. He ended up going to prison and then dying before that was really able to come to fruition. But basically what we saw was the end of one cult possibly leading to the creation of another cult. Mm. Because I think what we saw was that Humanity in general, they crave that power. They crave that uh, that feeling of being the one that everyone looks to. And 
yes, you know, we may get rid of the one we may we may get rid of the horrible person that's right in front of our face. But then, you know, a lot of the times we replace them with people much better, if any better at all. <laughs> it just might become a different cult, a different kind of cult. Um, so it was very, very, very politically charged. Um, obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff in there about, uh, Trump and, uh, the people who are Trump supporters and just something that I kind of took from it was, you know, as much, as much grief as Trump supporters get, which a lot of them deserve, don't get me wrong. Yet, mm-hmm. Um, were, were say Hillary supporters or Bernie supporters. Mm-hmm are they really that much better in the long run? (laughs) You know, I I think just, I think kind of what it says is that everybody, everybody has the potential to become this. Mm -hmm. Everybody has the potential to think that they're right. A hundred percent. No one else is right. And that anyone who disagrees with them should be punished for being wrong. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I took from horror story. I think, I think people, I think different people can take different things. Um, just anyway, though, as a season, I, I thought it was a good season. I liked it a lot. You know, I put it over hard. And um, I would say definitely go out, check it out. Hey, make your own choices. That's what I say to you folks. Go out. Knowledge is power. Anything the more else, you know. Anything else you watched this week? Um, just, a, just a quick shout out to you. I know you're a big animal fan. Mm-hmm. So, as I was trying to stay awake at work the other night, uh, at 3 a.m. on TBS came one of the all-time classics, Ed, Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. Oh. (laughs) While being a completely stupid movie, did have a fantastic about four minutes worth of Norm MacDonald on it. Oh, man, I've never seen that. (laughs) Uh, It might be worth looking on YouTube and just typing in, like, Deuce Bigelow, Norm Macdonald. Okay, he is a uh, he is a Scottish gigolo. <laughs> of course, yeah, who just does a few little Norm Macdonald things. Which I bet I bet his I bet his accent is just as good as his uh, Burt Reynolds impersonation. Exactly, it is. It is. He sounds as Scottish as as he sounds Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, just <laughs> just for four four to five minutes of YouTube, you might enjoy that. Oh man. <laughs> That's great. Oh man, yeah. And other <laughs> than that, everything else is kind of going on. Mm-hmm. So, well, um, I finally went and saw the uh, the new the new Thor movie, the the Ragnarok and Enrolling. Um, that's a good movie. It's the best Thor movie out so far. It's 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 really good. Uh, good. I heard good things about. Ah, uh, dumb Chris Hemsworth is best. Chris Hemsworth. He's he's super dumb in this movie. And it's pretty great. Um, really good looking, though. Oh man, I just I won't I I hate to spoil it, but you know there's there's one great moment. It's this it's this big scene. He's about to he's about to break out of of where he's being held, and he he takes this giant ball, and he's 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 just made a big speech about how it's it's time to go back and take back Asgard, and and he's, he takes the ball and he throws it through the window, and it comes right back and nails him in the face and knocks him out. Oh, it's great. Oh. Are, you, are you sure this was Thor and not Dejan Lof? <laughs> mm, mm. Short hair, so I don't know. <laughs> this, this this was once he had cut his hair, so maybe 
Maybe it was. Was he really Croatian? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Um, Oh man, this is a great movie. Not, not even, that's not even the best visual gag in the movies or the, the, Oh man. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is great in this movie. Um, who else? Um, Mark Ruffalo as, as the Hulk is great in this movie. Um, Mr. Mr. Ripper. Oh, even Idris Elba gets a few moments of being a badass, like we, like we know and love him to be. So I, Oh, it's a really great movie. Uh, it's better than that other movie that came out with superheroes. The Jesus, no. yeah, that other movie. But but but, but Aquaman. <laughs> He's it's fine. J- I feel so bad for Jason Momoa. I really do because he was so obviously we we all know I love I love I love Stargate SG One, um, and of course it's spinoff Stargate Atlantis. Well, starting in season two was kind of like the somewhat big debut of one Jason Momoa. And he was with the show through the last four seasons of it. And he was pretty good. And I was like, oh, that's that's really good. This was He was a pretty good actor. I hope he gets work after this. I I hope he does something <sighs> after this. And then I hope he, he goes, makes something of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. besides just being an ultra ultra good looking man yeah he's he's just big and strong and, and an actor you know what what's he gonna do with his rest of his life who knows oh he's on game of thrones oh he's he's now in a in a, in a big time comic book movie oh okay then okay my, my whole aquaman thing just goes back to an episode theory mm-hmm. where uh, they all argued over who uh who would have to be aquaman for halloween oh and it was just Aquaman. Aquaman's the worst. <laughs> oh, you know what? So, you know what? Right now, I think we have a new. I think until somebody comes and does it better, I think we have to make Green Lantern the worst. Like, like, oh, Green like right now in the movie versions, Green Lantern is the worst. Sorry, Ryan Reynolds, but you know you're a great Deadpool. Oh, you're you were amazing. born for Deadpool. Mm. Delicious! I, did you? Oh, did you ever see his? Oh, book? I did. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> wet on wet. I literally loved how every single scene they would cut. Mm. <laughs> it makes no sense, and it's great. Reynolds. It's it's oh, it's Reynolds Deadpool. Oh, and speaking of wet on wet, with bodies slapping against each other. Wes, we know we know you don't have a full picture going this week, but tell us what you can as we get so raw. God, that was that was a little uh, uncomfortable. That was, that was probably the most uncomfortable. And I've made multiple masturbation jokes. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that was uncomfortable, Ed. <laughs> um, they Vaseline up for getting so raw. Um, okay, folks, as, if you didn't hear it, I don't know. As Ed said, we don't really know what... Uh, what part of the pre-show you're going to hear before we cut in. Um, I worked all weekend. I worked nights all weekend. Uh, I got up at four o'clock today, today being Tuesday that we're recording. I got up at four o'clock to watch the Liverpool match, went and got dinner, came home, started watching as much wrestling as possible. Didn't realize we were doing a show tonight. So here we go. I have seen uh, war games. I saw the NXT war games and I saw literally the opening, Survivor Series. Um, I know that it has been a crazy week in WWE. Um, I, I to, as I told Ed, 
I have purposely not looked at any spoilers. Mm-hmm. I literally cut off the alerts coming to my phone from both Bleacher Report and WWE because I didn't want to know what happened at these events. Um, so I will literally give you about three minutes of what I saw. <laughs> uh, uh, the opening match for Survivor Series was The Shield and The New Day. <clears throat> Totally down with it, man. It was great. Uh, the New Day weren't healed through the match. Nice. Um, they were getting the heel reaction. Personally, I've always held true that New Day are a much better, I, th- I think they're a much more compelling team as heels mm-hmm. than as baby faces. It's just with their gimmick as over the top as they are, eventually that gimmick was going to turn baby face. Mm-hmm. And it did, and it has sold a shit ton of merch. Yeah. That's what I say. It is a merch machine. I mean, I've bought New Day shit for my kids. You know, they both had unicorns. They had a box of uh, of oh, Bootios yeah. cereal. Yes. You know, which they want more, but I'm like, no, it's $11. <laughs> You're not getting more Bootios. Um, but I think <clears throat> New Day, especially here with this little angle they've been working with the Shield, which hasn't been a long one, only about a week or so. But also when you saw that they led the SmackDown invasion of Raw, mm-hmm. they, they've, the last six weeks or so, they've been getting a little bit of an edge back to them. I'm wondering if we're moving back more toward a heel New Day. Uh, because at the pay-per-view, when you put them against the Shield, they were definitely getting the heel response. I mean, they were getting a lot of boos. Um, they worked the match like a heel group. They had control for most of the middle of the match. Um, at the end, the shield ends up getting the win. They do the triple power bomb off the second rope. So sort of like a super triple power bomb. It was pretty damn badass. That is the first official full shield match that we've had since they've been back. Uh, Reigns, of course, missing some time with the uh, viral meningitis. Uh, he he returned on Raw this past Monday night, and they were able to get the Shield together for the pay per view. I, I really still like the uh, the the chemistry that those three Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose have together. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think it's the best way for WWE to get Reigns over. There are a lot of critics who have who take issue with that. I don't, man. Yeah, I just. Yeah, you know, there, there are a lot of people that I've seen out there, people I follow on Twitter because they do give you some really good information. But when they start talking about Roman Reigns, and you know I'm not the big Roman, biggest Roman Reigns fan mm-hmm. um, of his solo work. I think there's some things they can do with him. But there are some people who take this shit like so personally mm-hmm. and just get so pissed with WWE and, oh, they're just doing this to try to get him over. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point of everything they do is to try to get them over. And you know what? Rollins and Ambrose are over. Reigns wasn't as over, so they're trying to get him over. Big mm-hmm. freaking deal. Just enjoy the show for a while. But I thought it was a really well-worked match. Um, Shield ends up getting the win. Uh, I don't know what else has happened since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm wondering how they're going to build off of Of course, they are on separate shows. Where's it going to go from here? So... We'll see. So that's all the actual WWE I have for you. <laughs> uh, in War Games, it, it, you know, NXT, I don't talk about a lot, but man, I'd say NXT just knows how to put on an absolute hell of a of a uh, pay-per-view. We call it pay-per-view, you know, a special, however you want to call it. Some 
of the matches that stuck out to me, of course, we're talking about the War Games match. But uh, there are two guys, one Alistair Black taking on, you'll like this, Ed, the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream. Um, Basically, Alistair Black is a heavily tattooed Satan worshiper. Oh, boy. Yeah, even though, I mean, there's no actual, like, Satan alliteration. He doesn't, like, work. Just, like, he's like this, well, he's he's Dutch to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's already a little freaky deaky. Of course. But, um, you know, I, I kind of enjoy, I really enjoyed watching, uh, he, he and the Velveteen Dream had a really good match together. Velveteen Dream, I want to say, is a, a guy, I think his name is Patrick, who actually won or came through the Tough Enough show. Mm. That's like a reality show that WWE used to do, which mm-hmm. hopefully Protocol never do again. But I believe this young man came through there. He's a uh, black guy, great, great body. He's like lean, but has a really good like um, like cut up body. And the play, the the character he kind of does this Velveteen Dream is like uh, he's like a fashion, you know, high couture guy, oh. and. I mean, my initial response was they played a little. I can't tell if it is or not. I haven't seen enough of really, really give it the final. But man, it was such a good story that they told because the whole buildup was that this guy, Alistair Black, who's kind of like the resident badass on NXT. Mm -hmm. It's like the the Velveteen Dream wanted to be recognized by him. And the whole buildup was, you know, he comes out and he tries to get his attention. And, you know, Alistair Black just no place. And, you know, he was finally, he was yelling at him, say my name, say my name. And he wouldn't say it. So kind of the point of this match was, you know, it put the Velveteen Dream up on a pedestal where, man, this dude's pretty freaking badass in the ring. You know, he can go. After the match, after Alistair Black beats him, he basically, uh, he, he said, uh, enjoy your moment of infinite velveteen dream and he said his name so that was kind of the big payoff but i think with it they might have really created a new you know i don't know i don't know if velveteen dream would work on the main roster Mm -hmm. it's a little too gimmicky maybe for the main roster but that kid can work man he put i thought he put on a hell of a job um uh seeing almost beat drew mcintyre for the nxt in a good match. I didn't pay a lot of attention to that. It wasn't really why I was there. Big reason I was here was for the War Games, Ed, for the first time. You know, I said earlier, War Games returning. That was a WCW back in the 90s. It was started back in the 80s uh, by Crockett, NWA. Dusty Rhodes came up with the idea. <clears throat> uh, War Games has a long history. War Games basically is two rings with a giant steel cage over top of it. Oh. Uh, and you you run it in teams, and teams come in at different intervals. Uh, you know, uh, one guy from each team will start the match, and then at two to three minute intervals, uh, guys will be released in until eventually everybody's in. It's these things used to be like bloodbaths. Oh, I mean, they were amazing. When you, I mean, the Great American Bash Tour of '87. I mean, Flair was probably losing a free blood or not. <laughs> they were badass matches. <clears throat> well, they had it here. It was uh, the Undisputed Era with Adam Cole, uh, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. 
Uh, they were taking on the Authors of Pain, and uh, Roddy Strong was the second team, and the third team was uh, this group called Sanity, which oh. uh, see, it's funny because they're called Sanity and they're all insane. Oh. It's like they love like chaos, and you know they wear like jean jackets. Yeah, yeah, you know you wear those jean jackets <laughs> and two. You know, so, yeah, but it, it was a good match. It was a, it got a little gimmicky. They started all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little gimmicky for my taste, um, but I mean, it was a positive match. I was at the end of it. Ends up it for his team uh, when he uh, pins Eric Young from Sanity. Um, I give it a thumbs up, man. NXT just those guys—they know how the hell to put paper. I mean, WWE main roster writing and just the way they put shows here—they could take so much from NXT. <laughs> Oh. And just, I mean, they could really help the product, but uh, it's what it is, man. But I was just super impressed with NXT, and um, glad they glad they had this showcase. I think their next showcase would be in January before the Royal Rumble, and I'm just excited to see where they go. I'm excited to see the championship picture, and I mean, he's my guy, anyways. We'll see what happens, man. But that is, sorry, folks, not a ton of slow roll this week. I'll catch you guys up next week as best I can. Like I said, it's going to be a recorded next week, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that that's it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed what I brought you. Oh, of course. We always enjoy it, Wes. And uh, that will do it then for episode 185 of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Uh, as Wes mentioned, um, next week will be me just doing some recaps um, with him dropping in a little pre-taped uh, Anfield Corner, as well as a, a more more complete edition of So Raw. Um, and it will be catching you guys up on everything that has happened this week, as well as the week to come. Um, so again, we will be hitting all that next week, including this coming up matches in the Premier League. It's a big week. Weekend matches, weekday matches, because it's the part of the season where you have to play 18 matches in 12 days. And it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be... Just so Two much, of days. So much on oh God. It's going to be so much fun. So, um, once again, we are presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Um, they are on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter at AFA Pod. Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. And you can email us at that address, allnewsportshow at gmail. Dot com. Big thanks to all our podcast providers, including Podbean.com, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, uh, the iTunes Music Store, and Google Play Music. And lastly, this podcast is powered by Discord and Rogue, Amiga, Rogue Amoeba's Piezo. Um, so, Wes, oh, as the Velveteen Dream graces my screen, oh, is there anything dream. else you'd like to add? <clears throat> Uh, if you're still interested in North Carolina high school football, I am good for you folks. Um, you know, uh, I think we had eight teams from the Nash Edgecombe Wilson County, uh, group that made the state playoffs after week one, we had six remaining after week two, we have two remaining. Oh no. <laughs> yes. The beat them downs were, it was a beat them down week. There were no playoff games or everything. You either won big or you got smoked. Mm. Uh, as the, the two left or the two we figured would still be here at this point, Tarbur and Southern Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern Nash, 
Guys, we know exactly what you're walking into as they head to Havelock for oh, round three. Oh, boy. That is going to be a war. <laughs> uh, in the past, I would have said Havelock. I'm going to tell you, Ed, something. And, of course, you know Southern Nash. Southern has finally decided to cut down on turnover this year. What? As we've always said in the past, if they would just do these things. Well, from what I hear, and I didn't see much of them. I only saw them once, mm-hmm. just due to scheduling. Um, they have kind of taken that little quarterback toss mm-hmm. handoff and actually gone to a real handoff. Oh, wow. And, and you would be amazed at how often now they hold on. I mean, crazy, you know, when you don't put the ball in the air every time, you know, it seems that they've, you know, gotten better at ball security. So It's so weird. Yeah, they're not turning it over as bad. They're not getting caught. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go to Havelock and win, but I think they're going to go down there and give Havelock a fight. Think about Southern has, Southern Nash has had one close game this year. Well, I'll take it back. They have not had a close game this year. They got beat once, and that was Wake Forest, who's the number one team in the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's four AA defending champions, probable four AA state champions this year. That's the only team that's beaten Southern Nash. Everyone else, they have beaten and beaten handily. Mm-hmm. Um, so Havelock's not going to have an easy fight. That is going to Needless to say, I will not be going because, A, Havelock. Of course. B, I'm working. So that means, see, I've got to go to a home game Friday with Carborough Vikings. Of course. Who are our second team still in, the Vikings taking on West Montgomery. Because, hey, it's Eastern playoff football. And West Montgomery is only three hours to the <laughs> yeah. oh, Let's put it this way. West Montgomery played in the Western final last season. Oh. And now they're in the East. <laughs> that makes sense. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you talk about a team that has not had a close that's Tarboro. Yeah. And they were up 42 nothing at the end of the first quarter left. Oh I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, they're just annihilating people. And um, this should, this will by far be the best test of the season they've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, next two weeks could, I mean, well, you know, potentially they have three weeks of and it's really going to hit the fan and should be some good games. I think Tarboro will win this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, I think they're finally going to have a team that can step on the field and potentially play with them. Next week, they would play Edenton. Yeah. Uh, if that's in the Easter Finals. Um, let me think. Of, yes, I am off. Yes, I work. I'll be off on Friday. So if that happens, I will be there bright and early for that match. And then if they're still there the week after, Ed, we uh, we just may have to convene, head on to uh, Durham, I think. Um, let me see real quick. Um, I know it's on the... Trying, Larry. It's, it's definitely the trying. Tri- oh, God, yeah. Thank God. Um, let's, let's, let's see. Um, let's see. It's sports, and then it's football... Just sport. So we love sport. Um, they should have it listed down there. Just, uh, yeah. One, uh, Tarboro would be going to Raleigh. Um, okay. Southern would be going to uh, Durham. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, either one of those, I'm fine going to. Oh, yeah. I'd really, 
really rather not go to Chapel Hill, which we shouldn't have an issue, obviously, with that. <clears throat> and I certainly don't want to go to Winston-Salem's. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about that. So Nope. Raleigh, Raleigh would be perfect. <laughs> Raleigh would be perfect. And I wouldn't even mind going to Durham. Southern was playing in a different time slot. I wouldn't mind going to Durham. Mm -hmm. We'll keep it in mind. Yes. Yep. All right. So that's uh, that's all I've got. This. All right. Well, then, for my calling Crime West Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And we will catch you guys next week. And good night to you, Velveteen Dream. Mm. Mm. My new favorite. I'm going to dream of you in a purely hetero way. Of course. I mean, how could you not? Of course. This, this, this picture. Oh. Turkey. Turkey, mashed potatoes, and velveteen. No, he's no turkey. I'll tell you that for free. No, sir. Oh, my. He's a, he's a hawk. Ah! Ah! Oh, that's terrible, Lorente. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.